You're listening to The Savvy Social Podcast, a weekly show that explores social media marketing strategies that help business owners create connection and build community by focusing on manageable tasks that actually make a difference to your business goals. I'm your host, Andrea Jones. Let's get started. Hey, hey, welcome to episode number 91 of the Savvy Social Podcast. Now, this show is brought to you by Traject Social, which is formerly Social Report. So you guys know I love them for all things social media, managing, scheduling, reporting, especially reporting. Uh, You can try them out for yourself for free by going to socialreport.com, and that should redirect you to the brand new and nicely purple Traject Social website. I'm so excited about today's guest, but before I dive into all of that goodness, uh, the biggest update of the week is that tomorrow we are launching our brand new mentorship program. I am over the moon about this program, and we have added in so much content. I um, really wanted to treat my first kind of beta round of this program and give them all all of the tools they could possibly need to succeed. So if you're sitting there like, Andrea, what is that mentorship program? Well, it's specifically designed for social media managers or virtual assistants who want to grow their business. If you want to be able to support clients by doing their social media, then this mentorship program is for you. We're covering everything from how to get clients to how to pitch them to how to bring them on board how to keep them happy. That's the biggest part of this program is how to keep your clients happy. Because if your client's happy, they're going to stick around. And in the next episode of the podcast, I'm going to share kind of my journey and some of the things that I've discovered along the way. Uh, But I really go into all of the details with this mentorship program. Now, the coolest part is that this is a coaching program. So it's not um, a course. The course is the foundation of it. But this is a coaching program so that we can help you figure out your business. So if you want to build a business online, or if you already have a business and you're really looking to take it to the next level, this program's for you. And now's the perfect time to join us because the world is going online. I don't know if you guys have noticed lately, uh, but digital and virtual events and businesses that can support them are the ones that are going to thrive for the rest of this year. So join me for the first round of this program. This is the lowest price it'll ever be uh, because as a beta mentee, you're going to help me develop the program and I'm giving so much support um, and bonuses and just hands-on guidance for my mentees. You can find out more information by going to onlinedrea.com slash mentorship. Today's guest is the fabulous Rita Berry. Rita and I met in an online community called the What Works Network. I've talked about them before, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's kind of one of the coolest online communities for business owners out there. I just find a lot of people there have actual businesses, not to throw shade at some of the other communities, but I find that the community inside of What Works is just so supportive. And Tara McMullen, who runs the community and happens to be, uh, I'm in one of her coaching programs, she's one of my business coaches, um, is just a fantastic human being. So Rita and I met because of this program, and Rita is the owner of Rita Berry & Co. 
uh, which is a measurement marketing company. So she is all about that data. For the past 10 years, her and her team have been helping women-led digital businesses turn their marketing data into confident business decisions. And then in this particular episode, we talk about the importance of tracking your marketing analytics. We talk about how to evaluate where to start with your measurement. Uh, We really dive into the different stages of a marketing funnel. We talk about marketing benchmarks. And the interesting thing is that Rita doesn't use social media for her business specifically, um, not organic social media. um, And a lot of her clients focus in on paid social media strategies. So a little bit of a different twist to today's episode, but I'm really excited because Rita is super smart and you guys are going to learn a ton. So let's dive into this interview with Rita Berry. Hey, Rita, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you today because I personally just want to geek out about the numbers for a little bit. Uh, But I want to start at the beginning because I believe you started off in Facebook ads, correct? So tell us about your, your entrepreneurial journey. So sort of, like I started in, in website design first, so I did that first, and, uh, and then it kind of became, I always felt really insecure about my design skills, not because they were bad, but I just I hadn't gone to like fine art school and I hadn't, didn't have a graphic design background, so I was always really insecure about that, and you could find so many beautiful examples online, like when you really wanted to be mean to yourself, and you could just go and like look at all these other people's portfolios and like my skills were nowhere near that. And so it started kind of the metrics and the ads started from a place of, I need to probably like make myself worth what I think, you know, like actually make my service worth something to other people. Like I know it sounds really terrible, but like the, the mental stuff that goes on in our heads uh, where I just wanted to prove the worth of what we were doing. And by being able to measure things and show that the website design was more effective from a business standpoint after it was done than it was before really proved the worth of the service in a very different way than a really beautifully designed artistic kind of site. Like, and that wasn't what I was interested in designing anyway. I loved that really tangible stuff. And, uh, and then the Facebook ads grew out of as we were measuring stuff and like seeing what was going on behind people's businesses that either they were running ads that weren't effective or we were seeing that once we measured their marketing and everything was working and they understood their numbers really clearly, the business owners were kind of like, okay, so what's next, right? Like what's, what can we do now that everything's working? And that, you know, people are coming into the business and buying things. How do we make this grow faster? How do we make this easier? Take some of the load off, right? Because uh, social, paid social has a lot of different, um, uh, different places in a business. And yeah, and then it kind of just naturally organically grew out of that. And it's just a fun kind of, I don't know, like Facebook ads are such a interesting mixture of so many different disciplines. Like there's the graphic design, there's copy, there's the metrics piece just general marketing. So it was just a really fun challenge. And so both of them, we kind of dropped web design three or four years ago and just allowed the other two to have their place in our business now. And that's really all that I do now. So how would you describe what you do to someone you just met who's maybe like not techie? That's an excellent question. Paid Facebook ads is usually the easiest thing 
where we do Facebook ads and people are like, oh, you know, those annoying things that say sponsored. Oh yeah. I don't ever click on those. That's usually what I hear 99% of the time from like random folks in my life. And I'm like, really? I'm like, cause people do click on them. I have some proof of that if you'd like to see that later. <laughs> right. But so many people like just all the time, I don't click on those things. So yes, that, that people have a lot of like tangible uh, exposure to, and everybody kind of knows what those are. And as far as the metrics piece, it's really, I do for marketing metrics, what an accountant does or a bookkeeper does for your business finances. So where you meet with your bookkeeper once a month and they go over your numbers and tell you, you know, what came in, what got spent, what's left over. I do that for marketing metrics where I help the business owner understand what traffic's coming in, what's happening in the middle, and then how it's coming out on the other end. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the easiest way I can describe it to people because it's, and they're like, oh, that makes sense. I like that. And I like the analogy too, because I, I think it's something that needs to be more prevalent in businesses to understand those metrics. Because like you said, there's some sort of confidence that comes with once you know the numbers, then you feel more confident to move forward, right? Absolutely. And you can be confident letting go of things that you don't really enjoy. You can be confident doubling down on stuff that's working. Like there's just so much that opens up for people when they can clearly see what's working and what's not. And a lot of people don't realize that that's actually possible for them, that that's available with all the different, you know, measurement tools that we have and the way that digital marketing is so different than traditional, you know, off internet marketing, where you're, you know, you're, you're making a lot more educated guesses than we have to now. We can, we can draw, connect the dots a lot easier. So we have all levels of, in, of listeners on this show. Some are beginners, some run their own agencies. But for my beginners, I want to kind of give them a takeaway. So if we're looking at starting to measure all of these different pieces of, of our mar digital marketing success, what's a simple way that we can start kind of understanding some of this data and some of the numbers? Oh, that's a great question. Because this is usually where everyone just, they start because they're like, this seems like a good idea. And then they open up a tool, whatever that tool happens to be, and then they promptly close it. Right? And then they're like, and it's no longer a good idea. And, and that's truly because that's not the way I look at data either, right? I don't look at any sort of marketing data as a large chunk. Like you're not looking at all the people. And so the easiest way for someone who's new, who really hasn't kind of embraced their marketing data yet, is to get really specific about the questions they want answered and then specifically go look for the answer to that. So if you are, for example, uh, a lot of your site traffic comes from SEO and you are wondering whether you should invest in, say, an SEO consultant or spend more time doing that particular traffic channel to grow your business, then you can just focus on that. So then you're ignoring all your social traffic, you're ignoring your referrals, you're just, how is this SEO stuff working in my business? And is this profitable? Should I spend more? Are people getting on my email list from this? And it'd be the same thing for Instagram, you know, Facebook, any sort of thing that you're investing time and energy in in your business to market it, just focus on that one little piece and really dig into that rather than trying to look at all your site traffic and all, because that's not where the really insightful uh, metrics come from is not when it's all in one big clump. It's always when we segment down to these tiny little populations where we can look at that group of people and how they're behaving. And then you can see, is this channel, is this maybe this format, like whether it's video, podcast, that sort of thing, is this a successful way for people to interact with me? And then using that information to inform how you move forward. Mm, interesting. I love it. And I love geeking out over the numbers of all of this. Um, so for those of us who are in it and we love it, what are 
uh, one or two more things that we can do to help us feel more confident about interpreting some of these metrics in our business? So one of the biggest things is always to like start asking really good questions. That's really where the, all of the metrics make sense. The metrics are really just answering questions that we have. If we look at metrics, expecting them to tell us something when we don't really know what it is that we're looking for, that's kind of the recipe for the overwhelm and the closing the tool. Because when we have a question like, is this, I've been blogging every day for X amount of years, is this an effective channel? Or I'm podcasting, is this effective to grow my business? I've been doing Facebook Lives, is this working? You can get the answer to those questions if you're actually specifically asking those questions, right? If you just open up Google Analytics and just look at the numbers, like, it's just, it can't tell you where to go next. But if you're opening up Google Analytics or, you know, Facebook Insights or something like that, and you want to know specifically if you, sh- which topics are best for your lives and which time of day, um, long ones, short ones, all those sorts of questions that will inform your strategy, that's where you get a lot more useful information. Uh, and for people that kind of want to kind of geek out and get a bit more advanced, the way I break up metrics is really into kind of four big chunks. You look at your awareness chunk, around how are people finding me who have never found me before. So that really like top of funnel, cold traffic, all of those things kind of mean the same thing. And then you look at the nurturing people, the engagement, those are often people that are on your email list or have followed you in some sort of way, um, kind of that earned media, you also heard referred to as that. And then you have the sales part of your marketing about how people are actually exchanging dollar bills for what you do. And then the last piece was you're sometimes forgotten. It's the after sale marketing, whether that's retention in memberships, whether that's repeat purchases, if that's the kind of you have an e-com business, or just kind of word of mouth evangelizing, where customers that really couldn't buy from you again, because that's not the type of business you have, but they go out and they spread the word, either they do case studies or they share. So there's these those four chunks. And if someone just really picks one meaningful metric from each of those areas, they're going to get a really good view of how their entire marketing system is helping to build the business. And often what people notice is that one of those areas is really underperforming and then you can dial in and just work on improving that rather than looking at your marketing as this this big giant glob and you're like where do I even start because that's not how we approach anybody's measurement it's always break it down look what's happening and then fix individual pieces rather than try to approach it all as a whole. Yeah, I think that's such good advice too to focus in on one area because I know as a business owner myself that I want to fix all of the things yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Um, which is not possible for a lot of people. And even I think the biggest businesses in the world, they work on campaigns at a time. So I love that advice of like figuring out which area of your funnel you want to examine, ask the right questions so you can figure out what that answer would be, and then work on that. So when we're looking at the numbers, is there a way that we could tell if it's doing well or not so well? And maybe I should give a specific example. So let's say we've been blogging and we go and we ask, hey, are these performing? How do we know if our answer is good or not good? So well, usually we look at the kind of the monumental shifts between the, the different phases, right? So usually between that first phase where people are learning about you to being engaged and, um, and actually getting nurtured by your whole marketing machine, that's usually a lead generation. It depends on your business. So whether someone's actually doing that. Um, and when we're looking at metrics, it's usually, like it depends on a landing page, if that's how you're doing lead gen, 20% from cold traffic, uh, the people that don't know you really well is a really good benchmark. If your landing pages are doing under that, then 
we usually look at, you know, is the offer good? Is the copy good? Is this compelling? That's usually the biggest problem. It's not usually design, unless something's janky and broken, obviously. But it's just that it's not something someone wants, and it's not a really compelling offer. So that's usually um, the main problem there. And then when it's coming to sales, it's the same thing that everyone hears around one to 2% of people purchase. And it's true. Like we see it time and time again. And highly niched businesses um, that are just hyper-specific in who they serve, where, you know, I, I work with an SLP, speech-language pathologist, pathologist, I can't even say it, that she, she converts much higher because it's so hyper-specific. And so if you're more of a generalized topic, you would expect your conversion rates all along the funnel to be lower. Whereas if you have really hyper niche business, then it's just natural because the people that are in your audience are so your people that they just naturally convert higher. Um, so that's usually some, some of the benchmarks across, but also the more you get familiar with your own metrics, the more you see what your benchmarks are in your business. And that's ultimately what's more important because when we're doing any sort of measurement, we're really looking for trends and patterns over time. And we're not really looking at, you know, what happened this specific day at this specific moment. We're looking, is the conversion rate on this page improving as you're trying to improve it, right? As you're trying to improve the traffic that's coming to your site, are all the other metrics improving along with that? And so we're really looking at those, at those trends. Is there a place we can go to find some of these benchmarks for the different marketing areas? Like, uh, you could just yeah. Google them. Like if you're depending on what, um, there's a lot of industry surveys where people do a whole bunch of different research. If it's on email marketing around for open rates and click rates, um, if it's sale conversion rates on sales pages, conversion rate on landing pages. So just get really specific about what you're Googling. Like what is a good conversion rate for cold traffic on a landing page? Then you'll see some of those, hopefully if you can like hunt down to an actual cert, like an actual research piece of material rather than just an anecdotal story, then that's always really helpful. But the most important thing is if it's fairly good and solid in your business, then just try to improve it and see, are your benchmarks improving? Yeah, I like that advice too, to measure yourself against yourself. I mean, I think that's the best way to improve because it's sometimes if you're looking at the benchmarks, sometimes your numbers can be way off, either better or under. And sometimes people, the kind of the tricky thing about metrics is that you can make numbers say and mean anything you want. I've heard people say they have conversion rates that are astronomical that I know full well are not necessarily that they're, they're lying, that it's just they're measuring them in a way that wouldn't be an accepted best practice. Let's put it that way. Uh, and so, you know, people throw out all these numbers all the time. And it's really important to realize that sometimes people don't know how to measure them. Sometimes people, I've heard people cite conversion rates on sales pages that were actually the cart to their sales page, not the sales page to purchase, which obviously is a very different number. But if you don't know the right questions to ask, it's really easy to get sucked into this, my business isn't working properly, because all these other people have these amazing conversion rates and all this other stuff. I've found that not to be the case. Like in measuring so many businesses now, it's just, it's kind of, it's silly. And, uh, and lots of people are dealing with some pretty average conversion rates across the board, and they're doing really great in their business. Yeah. The, the one that I keep hearing is um, your email list will convert at 2%. That, that's a big like one that I keep hearing. Is that accurate? or I've seen that with, I have some clients that convert higher. They convert kind of in that 5 to 8%, but once again, highly niched businesses. Um, more of the kind of generalized, wider audience type businesses, that's often what we see. Uh, like when we're doing projections and forecasting for launches or different products and things like that, we'll usually work if we don't have a historic number for them, 
Because if we do, if we've been working with them a long time, we'll often have, like, we know their list converts around 2%. So then that's what we'll forecast with. If we don't, then we'll do the 1% to 2% as kind of just a general benchmark, and then we'll learn for the next time. Okay, interesting. So when it comes to organic social, how can you help people understand some of those numbers? So one of the metrics I keep seeing pop up um, in Google Analytics is like Instagram stories traffic. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. This wasn't happening before. Um, And so what are some of the things we should look out for or maybe keep in mind as we're looking at organic social traffic, specifically to our websites, our landing pages, that sort of thing? Well, so one of the biggest things with the organic piece is that obviously is, you know, and and kind of preach opposite is that followers don't matter um, as far as like the actual engagement and all of that's important. And I think that's one of the real gifts of measuring the on website interaction is because it gives you that insight into, okay, there's a lot of people interacting with me on Instagram. Is that translating into something else? that is actually building my business or, you know, how, how are all those different places that people are coming from? Are they all created equally? Like, cause usually they're not, you usually see a vast difference between the Pinterest traffic, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. They all convert very differently to leads and sales. And if you, one of the easiest ways to do that is to, it's to do something called setting up goals in Google analytics. If you just Google, how do you set up a goal in Google analytics, it'll show you and you can create basically just a metric that is specific to your business that's say measuring a lead. So if you have like a landing page and a lead magnet that you're using or some kind of webinar funnel, you can create that lead and then you can actually look at that specific lead and how that's that goal that's in Google Analytics against all your traffic sources. So you can say this one specific goal, I talk about it on all my channels, you know, it's all everywhere. How, how does that convert from all these different sources? And you can really see who are more engaged and more interested because you'll often see a vastly different conversion rate. Like it'll be like 50% from this source sign up for this lead and only like 0.2% sign up from this lead. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's not a good traffic source. You might have to ask some more questions, but it can give you a really good indication of maybe where your ideal audience is hanging out, which might be someplace else to spend a bit more time. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Is there one like platform that tends to have the best leads or? Usually it's paid social, truth yeah. be told, but that's okay. because it's like direct response for driving stuff. <laughs> so yeah. it's a little bit, it's kind of cheating really. Um, but I've seen, I've seen Instagram do great for some clients. I've seen Facebook do amazing for some clients. Um, and then LinkedIn's been awesome um, for others. So it really depends on your business. And that's so much why where it's like really learning the ins and outs of your own kind of business model where your audience is. And there really isn't one formula I've seen one way or another. It's all kind of paying attention, seeing what works for you, and then doubling down on that one. Okay. So I want to talk about your clients for a second, because I find it interesting. And I know that you're um, really passionate about helping women who want to achieve financial freedom. And that's kind of a topic that you want to um, kind of introduce. So how do you how do you choose to work with your clients? And how does your own passions influence the clients that you work with? So I think this one, this, as my therapist would say, it goes back to our childhood, right? But the this one for me, um, I am the daughter of a single mom who was like a single mom back before that was very common, at least in my social world. And I always saw her struggle so much and like make decisions that were based on taking care of us and do it like there was just finances were always a thing, right? It just, there was threads through everything. uh, And it affected all the decisions that she made that I could see as a kid. And so as I got older and, you know, you start to select clients and work with different people, I really noticed that 
whether it was that or something else, that I just loved helping women have more stable businesses, understanding their businesses better, and being able to have greater financial freedom so that if they wanted to make a choice, whatever that choice may be, whether it's business, personal, what have you, that deciding, like making the choices based on I don't have enough money to do XYZ wasn't a thing. Like they really were just totally empowered to decide exactly how they wanted their life to go and make those decisions accordingly without all of that chatter in the background that I saw growing up, that money became such a big part of it. And, and that takes a lot of avenues. Sometimes it's personal avenues and sometimes it's professional, but just watching um, my clients kind of gain more like stability and confidence in their business because of the work that we did together is just a really fantastic feeling that kind of transcends just the business thing for sure. Yeah, I love that. So if anyone's listening and they want to work with you, how do they get in contact with you? Well, I hang out on my website. Um, <laughs> it's the, the anti-social media person. Well, just don't do a whole lot of it, but um, they can find me at ritaberry.co and that's B-A-R-R-Y, mm-hmm. not like the strawberry. Okay, yeah, B-A-R-R-Y, and I'll have that link in the show notes. Before I let you go, I do have a question for you because you personally don't use social media a lot. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your own marketing? Because, and, and caveat for those listening, um, I am a huge advocate, a huge fan of if social media isn't your thing, then you shouldn't be spending time there. You only should spend time there if it's working for you. And so as someone who has a successful business without social media, I want to introduce that conversation. So can you share a little bit about how you find your clients and that sort of thing? For sure. It's, I've, I've done social before, like way back in iterations of my business. And what I found was that as the business changed, I, I got more in touch with myself and how I like to be in my business. And I do a lot of things that don't scale with my clients. Like they are dear friends. They are, you know, like I, I care just as much about their success as they do sometimes, sometimes more as they have said. Um, and I, I've just become a, a huge cheerleader for them. And I just like, if we don't love what someone's doing and who they are, we don't work with them. And, and that's been a really neat thing to lean into as a business owner. And what has happened is that I've just made sure I spend time, my marketing time, hanging out with great groups of people that I find interesting and awesome. And that's it. And so whether that means I join masterminds or um, not networking events, because I'm powerfully introverted, and that sounds like the worst possible thing ever. But I just really try to talk to people, um, make friendships, like real actual friendships and connections with people that have no alternate agenda. And I have just found that showing up like that in quieter spaces is is really really successful for the business and and then word of mouth just takes over because when you take really really good care of your people then they talk about that and that was never engineered or on purpose it's just really the only way i know how to do business and that's just it's kind of grown from there and the social is just never i've never felt the need with this iteration of my business to do that in a big way uh, because it's not necessarily something that that I need to do, right? Like all the other things are working. So I'm not looking for more things to work, right? Like I'm just like, this is good. We, we have more business than we can handle and that we need. So we're not going to go and try to broadcast even bigger than that. Yes, I love it. Listen up, folks. You don't always have to be on social media. I know that's an odd thing to say on a social media podcast, but I do think that, especially if you're a high-touch service-based business um, and you've, you're already established, you've got clients, you may not need social media. So I, I thank- do use it, though, for like DMing and you know, things like that. <laughs> there you 
you go. The yeah. behind the scenes, the dark internet, so to exactly. speak. Exactly. Um, wow. Thank you so much, Rita, for giving to us today. This has been a fantastic interview. Awesome. It's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. For links and additional resources, visit our website, SavvySocialPodcast.com. And before you go, I want to invite you to access our free course. Yes, 100% free. It's the best way to jumpstart your social media strategy this year. You can find it at OnlineDrea.com slash free. That's all for this week. Bye for now.